Thank you. Good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself before we get started. Uh, we're going to go a little further in Colossians chapter 3. I hear that you guys have been doing a, a series on that uh, that Bryce started last week, so I'm going to keep taking us through that. But uh, my name is Chris Lotzball. I am uh, with Youth of the Mission. I work uh, in South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. There's nothing between us and the penguins of Antarctica. We're about as far south as you can possibly get. And uh, my family and I, uh, I'm married to one wife. I have to clarify that when I work in Africa, because that's not always the case. But uh, I'm married to Lindsay. We've been married almost nine years now, and we have two boys. Uh, Garrett is our oldest. He's six, and our youngest is Tabo. He's five. When we went to South Africa, Garrett was one. Uh, and so we've been there for almost six years now, and Tabo is South African. Uh, we adopted him from South Africa. And uh, we actually are heading back to South Africa tomorrow. So tomorrow I get to begin a 30-hour trip with two little guys back to South Africa. So if you, if you think about it, you can say a prayer over the next two days, because uh, we'll be going there. And so we're getting ready to go today. i got to tell you this quick story. We're packing up, and when you come to the, the U.S. as a missionary, you always stock up on things that you miss. So we've got like eight bags we're taking back of stuff. We actually even, we're buying Christmas presents already because there's certain things that our kids like here uh, that we can't get over there. So we've got Christmas presents. We've got all the stuff. So we're trying to pack up, and I was running around doing some errands today, and I get a phone call from my wife, and she says, I think we're going to have to go to the fire station. And I'm like, What? And so my son is, you know, he's uh, actually he's in the bathroom, uh, doing what you do in the bathroom. And, of course, he's got nothing to do while he's in there doing what you do in the bathroom. So he grabs this metal trash can, and he's messing around with it, and he puts it on his head. And he comes in to my wife, and he, and he says, Mommy, I put this on every day when I'm in the bathroom, but today I got it further than ever. And... He had taken this wire metal trash can and just shoved it down on his head so far, we couldn't get it off. And luckily, it had like a lot of openings and stuff, so he's plenty of light and air, and he wasn't too freaked out. But So I come home, and my, my son literally has this trash can on his head. Um, I tease him sometimes. I actually call him Buckethead, just as goofing around. So I was like, you are a Buckethead today. So we had to take him down to the fire station, you know, and we knock on the door down there, and they open up the door, and they're like, can we help you? Oh, okay, come on in. So they take these like mini jaws of life kind of thing, you know, not the car cutting kind, but like these handheld jars of life, they hook it up to a generator and they have to cut through this trash can and pry it off of his head. So there's never a dull moment. Uh, We thought we were just packing up today. We ended up at the fire station. So that was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, we are living and working with Youth of the Mission. How many of you guys have heard of Youth of the Mission or YWAM? Okay. It's a great organization. It's the biggest missions organization in the world. There's over 600 locations around the world. And we've actually, uh, my wife has worked with YWAM for 15 years, and I'm actually in my 20th year this year with YWAM. So we love it. We love being able to impact people, train up missionaries. And we love being in Cape Town, South Africa. It's 
one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And we get the opportunity to train Africans and people from all over the globe to be missionaries. We run Bible schools. We teach them how to plant churches. We do some different community development training, uh, just how to get clean water and some basic farming techniques. And so we've got all kinds of things going on in South Africa, and it's a great place. If you ever have a chance, visit South Africa. It's one of the most amazing places in the world. So that's just a little bit about me, just so you can briefly get to know me. Uh, But uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight uh, talking about a passage in Colossians. And just as a kind of as a way of thinking about this passage, uh, Bryce actually said that uh, the theme of, of the teachings that are going on for a few weeks is that Colossians chapter 3 talks about being custom made or being specially made, uh, a new creation, uh, that there's something different in us now that we, we are believers. And that is so true. Christianity is so different. It's different than every other religion. It's different than what society tells us. In fact, uh, I've been all over the world in my 20 years in missions. I've been to 37 different countries. And everywhere I go, I find that some things are the same. That everywhere in the world, people think that pleasing God and being acceptable to Him is all up to them. And that actually comes to us from culture, from society. I mean, think about it. We get this message from the moment we're born. From the moment that we're born, we are told that the way to succeed in life is to be bigger, faster, stronger, better. I mean, one of the first things that parents do when they have a new, a new baby is they go, you know, is he crawling? Hurry up, crawl, crawl, crawl. You know, is your, is your kid crawling? And, you know, when he starts crawling, hey, my kid's crawling. It's like this merit badge. They all crawl, but it's like you want them to crawl faster. And then it's to walk. And then it's talking. You know, and then they get into school and it's like they've got to strive and perform. You know, and it's not good enough just to get decent grades. You've got to be on the honor roll. You've got to get, you know, really good grades to get into university. If you play sports, it's not good enough anymore just to play for the love of the game. It's like this, our culture and our society pushes people to be bigger and better and faster and stronger. That you have to be the best. And so all these messages that we get from culture, from society, we start believing these things. And we don't even realize that this is a part of us. And what we begin to do is we begin to take these very same messages into our Christianity. But what's interesting is, this is where Christianity is actually different. Every other religion on the planet is about climbing the ladder. It's about doing certain things in order to get to a place where you can say, I've arrived, I've made it. If you're a Muslim, you have to face towards Mecca five times a day and, and pray. You have to believe certain things. You have to stay away from certain foods. And if you do these things, maybe you'll be good enough that God will be pleased with you. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you have to go around on the weekends and knock on people's doors and tell them about what you believe and try to hand out literature. Has anybody ever had Jehovah's Witnesses come? They do that because they have to. They do that because the only way they can get to heaven one day is if they're in the 144,000. And so they work and they strive and they perform in hopes of making it to 144,000. I always wonder how they reconcile the fact that there's a couple million people who are Jehovah's Witnesses. Not just 144,000. 
So they knock on those doors that maybe they'll be good enough. If you're a Mormon, you've got to have a good family. You've got to have the perfect family on the outside or or you're not going to make it. Every single religion on the planet that was started by a man involves climbing the ladder towards God. Involves doing certain things in order to be pleasing to him. In order to be accepted by him. But they never know that they are. They can never say, I'm there, I've done it. Because when it's about what you do, we can always do more, can't we? We might be doing really well, but there's always that little bit more that you can do. You can always be more loving or more kind or share your faith with one more person. Or as a missionary, the job never ends, right? There's always more people that need help. Every single religion on the planet that was started by a man, which is every religion but one, involves climbing your way towards God, trying to prove yourself. But Christianity is different. Christianity is the only religion where God came down to man. Where God did not say, you must climb, you must get to a certain place to to reach me. But he came down to us. And he said, when you believe in him, that he actually puts you on top of the ladder. There's nothing further that we can climb. We are there when we're believers. And as this passage that we're going to look at tonight, it's it's from the book of Colossians. This is something that, that is not new. Okay, 2,000 years ago, the church in Colossae was dealing with some of the same things that you and I deal with today. The questions that we ask, they were asking some very similar questions. And what the the Colossian church was dealing with, uh, they actually have a fancy name for it. They call it the Colossian heresy. But what it was basically doing, it was taking Christianity. They were new Christians, and they were blending it with some of the culture, with some of the things they already believed. And for their case, they were blending it with Greek culture. And when you take two things and you blend them together, it's called syncretism. And they were taking Christianity and they were mixing it with this Greek religion that they had. And what the Greeks wanted to do, they pursued knowledge. They pursued, you know, they wanted to get this amazing amount of knowledge. And they were always striving to be smarter and bigger and better and faster and stronger. Sound familiar? Some things don't change. And this, this teaching, this idea that was out there, it was taking the truth and it was mixing it with culture. And Paul writes this letter to encourage them that you don't need to do that. In fact, you actually need to get reprogrammed. You actually need to leave these ideas of your culture behind and you need to have a new culture. Tonight, we're going to look at some of those things because this still applies to us. That as society and culture, from the moment we're born, tells us certain things are true, we have to learn what we need to lay aside and replace it with the truth. We have to get reprogrammed in a lot of ways. And so the Colossians, they would ask a number of questions. I'm going to flash these up here on the screen. Uh, They would ask some different questions about if they're, they're good enough. Here are some of the questions that, if you look at the whole book of Colossians, you can see they were asking these questions. Am I spiritual enough? Don't raise your hands. But how many of us have asked that question? We wonder that sometimes, right? Is God going to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or maybe I could do a little bit more to be spiritual. Am I spiritual enough? They were asking, am I forgiven enough? We all know that, man, forgiveness, sometimes it's a battle. Maybe we finally get to the point where we believe that God's forgiven us. 
But then we've still got the whole process of forgiving ourselves. Am I forgiven enough? Or do I have to do something to show God that I'm really sorry? Do I have to prove my repentance? Is there more that I can do to climb that ladder to reach this place of forgiveness? Colossians were asking that. Am I religious enough? I heard a couple comments even tonight. We don't want religion. It's very, uh, very a contemporary thing right now to say, man, I don't want religion. And we can say that. But sometimes, if we're honest, we actually still have it. It's still in there. We still try to keep the rules. We still try to look like good little boys and girls, right? We actually can be quite religious, even though we say we don't want to be. Am I religious enough? And the Colossians especially were asking, am I enlightened enough? Do I have this enough knowledge? Have I arrived? Have I ascended to this higher place? And we maybe don't, you know, try to ascend to this higher place with knowledge, but sometimes we try to do that with experiences. Just abandon yourself to God. And it's always like, well, abandon more and more, you know? And when have you finally got there? When are you in God's presence? Do you see that sometimes it can just... Get us to this place where we say, when have I done enough? When am I pleasing to God? So the Colossians, their idea was a very earthly idea. The way that you answer these questions is you do certain things and you try to climb that ladder towards God. And Paul is going to write to them and he's going to try to begin to reprogram. He's going to try to begin to show them some of the answers to these questions that they have. So let's... Let's uh, go a little bit further here. And before we jump into the text, I want to just point out what I think is kind of the main thing that, that culture is telling us. We need to have a biblical Christian worldview or a biblical Christian perspective on life. And what I would sum up the main philosophy that's out there in the world today is humanism. And this is what actually influences us way more than we think. Some of the main things that humanism will say... We don't really mix in these Jewish beliefs or try to ascend to a higher place of knowledge. But what humanism is going to say is that man is good. Okay? We have to ask, well, what does the Bible say? Man is basically good. And a lot of what you see out there in society today is based on this belief that man is good. Anybody ever get surprised when people aren't good? How could that happen? Well, the Bible tells us how that could happen. Humanism says man is good, but is that what the Bible says? Humanism says that if you work hard, you're going to succeed, right? Nothing's for free, is it? Is that that in the Bible? Or is that our culture? Is that what, you know, culture tells us that, man, you just got to work so hard to get anywhere in life. The Bible says something is for free. Humanism says all roads lead to God. This is really popular today. You know, just believe whatever you want to believe. You know, all roads lead to God. I actually heard since I was home on this trip that there's a new religion. It's called Chrislam. That is blending of Christianity and Islam. And it comes from this. It comes from this idea that all roads lead to God. So you can do whatever you want. You can take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mix it together, and boom, you got whatever you want. What does the Bible say about that? Humanism also says that truth is what you make it. How many of you guys have heard that truth is relative? There is no absolute truth anymore. Absolute truth is like this bad thing. Don't box it in. 
Do you see how much we are affected actually by humanism? And we begin to take this towards God. We begin to take it and that's how we begin to view God. That's how we begin to view Christianity. That's how we view our salvation. We do not want to look at our Christianity through the eyes of humanism. That's the wrong thing. We have to look at humanism through the eyes of our faith. And throw away what isn't right. It's subtle. Let's see how the Colossians did this. Let's see how they worked through. They weren't dealing with humanism per se. But they were dealing with very much the similar ideas. That you've got to climb your way towards God. So let's open up to chapter 3 of Colossians. If you've got your Bibles. It's my understanding. I think Bryce did verses 1 through 8 last week. Is that somewhat right? Maybe. Roundabout. Well, we're going to do 9 through 14 regardless. And let's just look at a couple of these verses here as we go through this. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another. I'm reading out of the ESV. Yep, that's what we got. Sweet. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. He starts off by saying you've put off the old self. For the Colossians, the old self was that old way of thinking, right? That we've got to climb our way to God. That we've got to do more and be bigger, better, faster, stronger. Put off that old self. Because now something new has come. Now that you're a believer, you don't blend these things anymore. You've got to do away with the old. And just look at the new. And it also says, as you're being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. This would really be key to the Colossians. They were pursuing knowledge. And here they're told that true knowledge comes by seeking the creator. By spending time in pursuing him. The way I kind of want to illustrate this tonight is, it's my last night in Pennsylvania. So I've got to talk a little bit about the Phillies. Um, Philly fans out there? Okay, just, if you don't like baseball, please bear with me, because in like two days, nobody knows who the Phillies are, where I'm going. So, give me a moment to just talk about the Phillies. This Philly hat that I have here, this actually, for me, this represents the old self. Okay, this is a Philly hat that I saw them wearing as I grew up a Philly fan. And if you know the old self of the Phillies, it was pretty bad. Okay, when I was watching the Phillies growing up, I mean, they they put out some minor league teams. They were just horrible. They set the record for the most losses ever by a franchise with over 10,000 losses. And year in and year out, I would watch the Phillies come out and they would stink. They would be horrible. Okay, this was the Phillies I knew. I still loved them. They were still my team. I was a loyal fan. But this Philly hat was the old self. That this is what they were. All my life growing up, this is what the Phillies represented. Just terrible, terrible baseball players. A bad, bad team. But as Paul says here, you have put off the old self, right? This is not Philly baseball anymore, is it? Philly's baseball is not synonymous with losing anymore, is it? It's not synonymous with putting out terrible players. It used to be they'd lose all the good players. Now, every time, you expect them to win. You expect them to go out and get the good guys. 
They have put off this old self. And what they have put on is a new hat that I have here that says world champions. Right? This is the new self of the Philadelphia Phillies. They are expected now to compete for the World Series. Things are different. They are not the same team anymore. They are different. And what Paul's saying here, when he says, put off the old self, it reminds me of this. That they, the Colossian believers, are different. They are not these kind of believers anymore. They are not believers that are the losers. They have to try and try and try to be good enough, climbing their way to God, hoping that maybe he will look at them and say, okay, I have pity on you. Because that's about all you could do to the old Phillies is have pity on them, right? They put off the old self. They are a different people now. They have a different identity. Now they have an identity that's being a Christian. That's different. It's, the rules are different. They don't play by the same rules they used to play for. So they put on the new self, their new identity. And this is renewed in knowledge. It is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. One of the things I want you to notice here, this being renewed, that's a constant thing. Okay? It's not is renewed. It's continually being renewed. That's important. You have the new self, but it's constantly being renewed. It's a continual journey. Let's go a little bit further here. It takes time to constantly renew things, to change that mindset. The Colossians had to get rid of that heresy, that syncretism. And we need to get rid of humanism. Constantly being renewed. We are new, but we have to be constantly renewed. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in and all. These were all the different ways that the Colossians would separate themselves. They would be concerned about what's your passport. Are you a Jew or a Greek? They would be concerned about what neighborhood did you grow up in? What's your background? They would be concerned about all these different things. And they, they would say that's what separated them. That's what made some of them more spiritual or some of them less spiritual. And Paul says, you know what? We're not playing by those rules anymore. Now the rule is... It's Christ or it's not Christ. That's the only thing you have to worry about. It levels that playing field of, am I spiritual enough? Am I religious enough? Am I forgiven enough? Well, are you saved or are you not? If you're saved, you have the answer to those questions. There's no striving. There's no performance. There's no trying to make yourself look good to everyone else because Christ is all and is in all. That's the passport. Do you have the passport of Jesus? If you don't, that can change. But if you have it, it levels the playing field. It means we're all at the same place. We all have been put on top of that ladder. Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved... Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together in perfect harmony. He tells them some things that they can put on. But what are they already wearing? They're already wearing this hat, aren't they? 
They, they have the hat of the new self, the new identity. That's already on. And you can see that by it says, put on then as God's chosen ones. This hat means you're one of God's chosen ones. This hat means that you're holy and blameless. Or holy and beloved, as the ESV says. That's part of wearing the new self, isn't it? That's the identity that's already on. And we need to realize that when we do get to our response, it's just that. It's a response. It's not a checklist. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations that you check off the boxes and hope that maybe you'll be good enough. No, the hat tells you you're good enough. Because that's the new self that came through faith in Christ. Your response, sure you can look at these things, but it's not in order to get this hat, is it? It's because you have the hat. You are not, it doesn't tell you, do all these things and then you get to put on the world champion hat. It's the opposite. You have the hat on. So, the way you respond is in kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and above all, love. You know, for a lot of years in my Christian life, when I came to passages like this, I used these as a checklist. You know, I would just kind of go, all right, how am I doing? How am I doing in these different areas? Okay, I could do better in this, a little bit more. Pretty good here. I got a half check. Oh, that one, no check at all. I got to really work on that one. And it was always about me doing all these things and trying to climb that ladder, right? Am I good enough? Oh, if I'm, kind, if I'm a little bit kinder, I can get a little bit higher on that ladder. But how many of you guys know that even when you grow in those things, the ladder just keeps getting bigger? Because when are we good enough to reach perfection? Never in our own strength, right? Never if it's about us trying to climb that ladder. But rather than trying to climb that ladder through doing these good things, what God has actually done, and this is where Christianity becomes different is he has put us on top of that ladder the moment we believe. He says, you are spiritual enough. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are holy. You are God's chosen ones. And now that we're there, we're at that place of, of perfect relationship with God, our response, not in order to gain his favor, but because we have it, we walk in kindness. We walk in love. We walk in patience. Do you see the difference? The first way is I have to do these things in order for God to like me. This way that he's trying to tell the Colossians is God already likes you. You get to do these things. You should want to do these things. I think where humanism comes into our Christianity is that we think that Christianity becomes a bunch of things we're required to do. And if we do it good enough, we'll get the prize. But grace breaks those rules. Grace plays by different rules. And grace says, we have it. Now we respond out of that. So many times, if we're told we have to do something, what's our first response? Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to do that. Isn't it interesting? So many of us, as we live our Christian lives, we do the things for God and we say, well, I have to worship. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. And is any wonder it's a battle and it feels like there's no enjoyment in it? What if we did the same things for a different reason? 
What if we did them not to climb the ladder, but because God has already given us an amazing gift, we want to say thank you by getting to know him? What if we were motivated by love and gratitude rather than guilt and obligation? That would change everything, wouldn't it? We say, I don't have religion, I don't have rules. Is that true? We like to say that, but I think a lot of times we still have rules. The Colossians were trying to climb their way to God. And Paul is trying to get them to realize God has already given you everything you need. Respond out of love. Respond out of gratitude. What you do might not change. But why you do totally changes. So the Colossian view, the thing that they were trying to do, the way they were trying to live their life, they were trying to climb and see God. But they were always wondering, am I good enough? Have I made it? If you're stuck in humanism... If you're a humanistic Christian, you're actually saying the same thing. The humanism view says that you try to climb towards God. You try to be good enough to make it, but you always wonder. Because nothing's for free, right? In humanism, you always wonder if you've made it. But what Paul is saying here, what the Bible says from cover to cover, is that it's a different way. It says, you've seen God. You are that new creation. You are the new self. You have that new identity on. You've seen God. He's changed your identity. Now, respond out of that. Respond out of that. Not in order to achieve some new level, because there's nothing better that we can get than what we already have. We have heaven. Are you going to improve on that? Think about how arrogant it actually sounds to think that we could make Jesus' work on the cross better by praying a little bit, or reading our Bible, or showing up on a Tuesday night. Like, I'm that important, really. We cannot improve the work of Christ. He's done it all. And so we don't do these things in order to achieve some standard. We do it because we have it. We do the same things, but we do them for a different reason. I want to read one more passage to you. If you want to flip over a book or two to Philippians chapter 3. Then we're going to talk about this a little bit. We're going to discuss at our table some of what we've been hearing. Get some feedback from you guys. This is a great passage that we can see Paul walk this out in his own life. That he kind of is going to testify basically that he used to try to do it by boasting on what he had accomplished. By showing them his, his list of credentials. But he's going to show us that it's no longer that way. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. It says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, reason for, for boasting in what I've done, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's talking about his past here. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, that's in line with tradition. That's the way you did it. You know, he did it exactly the way he was supposed to. He was of the people of Israel. His passport was the right passport. Okay, he had every advantage. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He grew up in the right neighborhood. Okay, he had the right family lines. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. For a Jew, there was being an ordinary Jew and then there was being a Pharisee. Ordinary Jews tried to keep the Ten Commandments. Pharisees said, we can do better. 
And they took the Ten Commandments and they made it 613 different rules. And they believed they kept every single one. Now this was outward. They didn't deal with the heart. And that's why Jesus nailed them later on. But they literally believed their checklist was 613 different things. I don't want that checklist. Whew, man. I don't even know how they thought they did that. So that's the law of Pharisee. Top that, guys, right? Look at me. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. You want to talk about being sold out? I killed people. Top that. Now, he's not advocating this, okay? This is not one of the verses that you go out and apply. He's, he's reflecting back on what he used to do. I was so zealous for what I believed, I killed people who thought differently. Okay? That's a good merit badge in this system. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Okay, so he's just listed all his credentials. He said, if anybody could have ever climbed the ladder, it was me. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. All these things that I just listed, it's nothing. I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, the things that I do, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that comes when you put that new hat on. That is the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, that's a great example of somebody who said, hey, I could have climbed this ladder, but it's nothing compared to Christ. But it gets even better when you dig just a tiny bit deeper. I'm going to look at one more word in this passage. Look here in verse Verse 8, he says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Okay, ESV says rubbish. Does anybody have a different version that says something different than rubbish? I count them as loss, garbage. Anybody else? You guys got nice Bibles. Come on, somebody's got to have a hardcore Bible out there. Rubbish, loss, garbage. Filthy rags, dung, dung, okay? Yeah, that's the man's Bible. We're talking about dung. This word that's translated rubbish or loss or garbage, the, the word that it comes from, it's a Greek word, it's called skubalon. I think it's going to be up here in a second. I really don't know a lot of Greek words, but like this is a cool one, and you actually probably will remember this. Okay? This word is scubalon. And the closest translation of all the ones I heard was actually dung. And what Paul is actually saying here, this word scubalon, if you were to literally translate it, it would literally be translated something I probably should not say. That's what it is. It's poop. It's the stuff that you flush down the sewer. And it's all those other adjectives that mean the same thing. That, as a good missionary here, I'm not going to say tonight. But you get the point. Paul is saying, everything that I did, all of my credentials, guess what? It's poop. It's dung. It smells. It's worthy to be flushed down the sewer. 
That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Paul listed all these things. And he said, compared to Jesus, my best smells. My best should be flushed. Now, let's think about sometimes some of the things that we do. The things that we do to kind of impress God. The, the things that we say, this is how I know I'm being spiritual enough. Or this is how I know I'm being a good enough Christian. We often do a lot of things, don't we? Maybe we pray, we read the Bible, we come to Tuesday nights, we share our faith. We're good little boys and girls, right? Well, imagine you're going to take all the good things that you do and just imagine arranging all those good works on this beautiful silver platter. Okay, think of, you put on there your prayers, you put on there your good works, you put on there your, your obedience, you put all this beautiful silver platter and you hold them up to the Lord as an offering. And you say, look, God, look at everything that I've done. Look at this amazing thing that I've done. And on this silver platter, just aren't you impressed? What Paul says is, what you're holding up to God on a silver platter is poop. God, look at my poop. Isn't it great? Isn't it awesome? That's some good poop, God. Woo, isn't that great? Aren't you impressed? And God says, that smells. It stinks. That's what Paul's trying to say here. It doesn't mean that we don't do good things, of course. We know the Bible says that, right? It's our response. But when we use good things to try to get to God... I think God would say it stinks. God would say it smells. God would say, do you think you're adding something of value to what Jesus has already done? I mean, come on, you're a little fool yourself. You can't do that. It smells. So, so many times when we ask those questions that the Colossians were asking, am I spiritual enough? Am I forgiven enough? Am I religious enough? Do I understand enough? Am I enlightened enough? The answer that Paul would say to the Colossians, and I think that he would say to us, who struggle with humanistic things as well, is he would say, what are you wearing? You've got the new self on. You are chosen. You're holy. You're beloved. You're forgiven. You are righteous. You are all those things. Quit holding up your poop. I don't want to see it anymore. Look at what you've already got. And respond out of that. A life of love. A life of gratitude. Of course a life of obedience, right? First John says, if you love me, you obey me. It doesn't say, prove you love me by your obedience. It says, when you love, you will obey. Let me just go back to this one verse in Colossians that Paul kind of closes with this section. And then we'll, we'll discuss it. And I think... He closes it out by summing it up and showing us what the most important thing is. Verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on or walk in or respond out of. Live each and every day a loving and grateful response to the fact that he has already given us a new identity. We're not the loser fillies anymore. We're the world champs, right? And we're going to get another one this year. Even if I have to watch it 3 a.m. in Africa. That's what Paul would try to say. So let's think about this a little bit. Let's, uh, let's get a little discussion going. 
at our tables. And I want to talk about some of these different things that we've been talking about. And, you know, through this, we might get a few questions come up. We'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. But let me give you just a, a question to kind of start with. I want you to think about this and discuss it at your tables. The first one we're going to look at is kind of this idea of humanism versus the gospel. That subtle thing that, that is just everywhere in culture and society of humanism. I want you to talk at your table about how you think we bring in these elements of humanism into our Christian walk. Think about some of the things that we said humanism believes. Man is basically good. Man can save himself. Nothing is for free. Truth is what you make it. And just start, you know, just kind of chewing on this a little bit and just brainstorm. How have we allowed this element of our culture to affect our Christianity? What ways do we basically believe humanism over even Christianity? And how do we need to change that? How do we need to be renewed, like Colossians says, reprogrammed in our thinking? So at your tables, why don't you just talk about that one first? We'll see how that goes, and, and we'll, i got a couple other things we can talk about. Uh, and we may have a chance for a couple questions as we go as well. So, discuss. What stood out to you? What are some things you were thinking of as you heard that? How has humanism worked its way into your Christian faith? And what, do you, what should you do about that? pursuit that has taken place that God is constantly trying to get
All right. As you guys are discussing that, also ask yourself, what is the biblical truth? If we are going to be renewed in the knowledge of him, we have to be renewed with the right stuff, right? You know, and so just, you know, when humanism says man is basically good, we have to go back to the Bible and say, okay, is that true? Well, Genesis, Romans, many places tell us that actually this planet is broken. Sin entered the world and we live in a broken planet. Man is not basically good. Man is broken and in need of a savior. Man is a sinner. Romans clearly says that. You know, and, and even though we, this culture tells us other things, we have, we have to reconcile things with what God says. You know, when, when culture tells us that if you just work hard, that's the only way you get anything Anything in life. Nothing is for free. Well, Ephesians, Galatians, Romans says, salvation is a free gift. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Okay? It's not earned. It's not paid for. It's a free gift. When humanism says all roads lead to the same place, truth is what you make it. We have to reprogram ourselves that, no, God is the source of truth. We're not. Man is not. That our perspectives are limited, but God's are unlimited. The way we see the world isn't in its entirety. Christianity is inclusive that everybody's invited, right? But it's exclusive that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to wrestle with those things. It doesn't mean that, you know, just because you can quote a verse, it answers every question easily. But we cannot allow our questions to change God. We cannot allow our questions to change Christianity. Because if we do that, we're walking in humanism. Because we're putting ourselves at the highest place. We have to allow our questions to be shaped in light of what we see as truth. I don't understand it, God. But this is what I know is true. We have to wrestle with those things. So as we're seeing those things, how can we identify with the Colossians? What are some ways that we can often fall into the same trap the Colossians did? What kinds of, an, of enough questions do we struggle with? That list of questions that I had up there. You know, am I spiritual enough? Am I forgiven enough? What, maybe there's some other ones you can come up with. Discuss at your tables how we can fall into the same trap the Colossians did with asking those kind of questions of, am I enough? Maybe you'll come up with some different ones. Talk at your table. See, you know, share if you can identify with any of those, or perhaps there's other ones that you say, you know what, this is, this is what I deal with. Talk about that amongst your group. How do we fall into the same trap they did? Let's identify some of, some of those similar struggles.
So do we, uh, do we identify with the Colossians? Do we have some of the same emotions or struggles? That's one of the things that when you study the Bible, you realize people are people. 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, the things that we feel that we struggle with, very similar to what they did. Were there any other uh, enough statements or, or things that you, that you were able to word in a different way, maybe that, that you guys would want to share with the group? You know, I gave a couple. Am I spiritual enough? Am I forgiven enough? Did, did anybody come up with any different ones or maybe a different twist on, on looking at any of those that we could just share so we could learn from each other? Go, go for it. We'll, get, we'll go there next. Go ahead. Am I qualified enough? Like, you know, God calls us to do something, you know, whether it be to, like, lead, like, a group of, like, 10,000 people and, like, whatever, prayer, whatever, or go up and give, like, a homeless person mm. a piece of bread. Well, uh, well Lord, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm shy. You know, you know, or, or I have this going yep. on in my life, so how can I? Good. Uh, Am I qualified enough? Some of us might actually be asking a slightly different variation of that. Have I done something that's disqualified me? You know, and that might go into the am I forgiven enough? Second Corinthians chapter 4 is a great passage for people that struggle with that. It talks about treasure in jars of clay. It's a passage that says we are qualified. Because it's not us that's the treasure, it's, it's Jesus. Yeah, am I qualified enough or am I disqualified? I think we can identify with that. Yeah. Um, our question was, do I tithe enough, or should I tithe at all? Is that okay. a, uh, uh, yeah, a requirement with grace? Is that still a rule that grace plays by? Okay. And we could probably insert a lot of things into that equation, right? That essentially what we're doing is we've made, like when we say those things, we've kind of created an equation that it's, it's Jesus plus... Something equals I'm good enough. Jesus plus tithing. Okay? Jesus plus fasting. Jesus plus evangelism. You know, you could, we could go down the list, right? And usually, those things that we put into that equation, they're good things. The enemy is not so stupid to get us to say, all right, here's the secret to the Christian life. Jesus plus sleeping around. There you go. That's how you're a good Christian. He knows we're going to catch on, right? But if he can get us to do good things for the wrong reasons, he's going to do that. And that question, I think, with any of those things, anytime you put something in a formula, you have to ask yourself the question, when have you done enough? Could you give, if it's tithing, could you give more than 10? Yeah? So give 15. But then when you're giving 15, could you give more than 15? And you and just see, it just keeps going and going and going. So finally you go, when am I good enough? Because you could always do more when you insert a work into a formula to try to please God. Secret to the Christian life is not Jesus plus. It's Jesus period. Any other thoughts? Yes, over here. Do I care enough? I think about how passionate God is for everybody. And I think I sit here and I don't do anything for all the people out there who are struggling. 
Yeah. How do you measure that, though? How will you measure, like, okay, well, I, today I'm caring enough, right? But there's always somebody else, isn't there? Man, I know so many missionaries that they're on the mission field and they're serving and they're doing it out of guilt. They're doing it out of obligation. And they're like, I've got to care for this person. I gotta, and they're, just, they're running themselves ragged. They're burning out because they're trying to work off some past sin. Or they're trying to make themselves feel good. Because you can never say, ah, I'm caring enough. Because there's always somebody that's hungry. There's always somebody that's hurting. There's always somebody that needs to hear the gospel. And it, of course we want to challenge ourselves, right? But we don't challenge ourselves in order to get the approval of God. We challenge ourselves because it's a response to having it. Do you see the difference? It's a response. God is pleased. It doesn't have anything to do with me, so I can care for people. It takes off that burden. It takes off that pressure. And it brings that freedom that we talk about in Christianity that most of us struggle to experience. Christianity is supposed to be joy and peace. But if we're working and striving, it's not a whole lot of joy and peace, is it? One more comment. Another one out there? Nobody wants to be the last comment. Okay. Mm. Yeah. We're addicted to being busy in America. I'll say that as someone who can see from the outside in now. But are we doing anything? Yeah. When is enough enough? Am I serving enough? Am I caring enough? Am I qualified enough? These are real struggles. And what we need is we need a revelation. We need a, a to be renewed in our understanding of God who he is, and what he's done. What salvation has accomplished. What it means for us. And we need that daily. It's not a hear the message once in church and you've got it wired. This is a journey we're going to be on for the rest of our lives. Of understanding and applying the grace of God. One more question to discuss at your tables. How can we switch our focus from... Good works help us climb the ladder to God, kind of the Colossian idea, and change it to God came down to us so we love him by doing good works. We still do good works, right? Because the Bible's clear on that. But the reason for the good works changes. How can we switch from using good works to get us there to good works are our response? Talk about that at your tables.
Sounds like there's some good discussion going on. Any tables have any, any thoughts they want to share with the group? Things you're talking about. How, how can we begin to, to change? How can we begin to, to switch our focus from, essentially from works, a works-based mentality to a grace-based mentality? Any thoughts? What are you guys talking? You guys are talking lots. So you're either talking about the pizza that's coming... Or you were talking about this. Yes. Good. Consistency. Sometimes the, the change is not so much in what you do. Okay? Because, you know, Scripture always tells us, you know, kindness, patience, like all the, It's not the what. But oftentimes the change can come in the why. Why do you do it? I'm doing this to impress God or I'm doing this because I love God. Same thing, but you can do it with different motives, different reasons. Good. Good thoughts. Others? Yes. Then the... And if I'm grateful, then I will respond in some way that suggests that I'm grateful. If I, I mean, if someone like did something completely awesome for me and I was like completely ungrateful, like that sucks. Like that's yeah. not the way to respond. That's not even, I would know that's not the right way to respond. 
good. Yeah. Yeah, I think you said two good, really good things there. It starts by knowing the truth. It starts by knowing who God is and what he's done. And you've got to know that in order to live it. So you've got to really understand. So many times uh, in church in general, you know, somebody gets saved and the first thing we do is read them the rules. You know, stop swearing, cut your hair, get rid of your chew, don't date girls who do, you know, those kind of things. What if we talk to people about what's just happened, the God they now serve, the salvation they have? Then we can talk about why you do the things you do. You do them out of gratitude by saying thank you. Our lives, really, we can write a thank you note to God for our salvation with our life. I just, you know, we were just home for the missions thing and, you know, we had different gifts that we were given and, you know, people gave us some money and stuff and we sat down and we wrote a bunch of thank you notes, okay? We can actually do that with our life. We can write a thank you note to God for his salvation, for what he's done by how we live. We write that note each and every day. Good, great thoughts. Someone else? Don't worry, the pizza's not getting cold. Yeah. You love God, you, you it love changes Jesus, everything. And you want to love people how he loves people. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that. You know, I read a quote one time in a book that really stuck with me. And uh, this guy, his name's Jerry Bridges. And he said that we need to preach the gospel every day. And as a missionary, you know, people are like, yeah, okay. But he said you need to preach the gospel every day to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves of the truth. We need to remind ourselves of God's salvation. We need to remind ourselves of who he is because we're stupid and we forget. And we go right back to that natural tendency of working and striving and performing. That literally every day we need to remind ourselves about the grace of God and how amazing it is. Well, I, uh, I want to tell you just about a couple quick things and I'm going to turn it back over to these guys. But uh, we can keep discussing this. I'll stick around a little bit if any of you guys have some questions or you want to talk. In the back, I, do, uh, I just have a couple things. If you're interested, no obligation. If you want to see how cute my kids are, you can pick up a photo card. You know, you stick it on your fridge and pray for us in South Africa. Uh, we also have just some copies of our latest newsletter if you want to hear more about what's going on in South Africa. They're back at the back table. And I do want to let you know, uh, I have a couple copies of a book that I've written. Uh, when I was asked to talk on this and I looked at the passage, I got pretty excited because when I realized this is a passage talking about grace. That is my life message. I, that's what God put me on this planet to do. 
uh, is to talk about this message. So I've written a book about grace. If you liked what we're talking about tonight and you want to kind of just, you know, scratch that itch a little more, uh, this is something that you could pick up. It's called Death of the Modern Superhero. That's this idea that we have to be superheroes with superpowers, performing and striving to be that bigger, better, faster, stronger person that actually can die. That grace breaks those rules uh, and sets us free from having to do that. So if you're interested, I do have some copies in the back. You can check that out. Is there anybody here that says, I will read that? I'll give this copy away if you promise you'll read it. Oh, boy. This is the first hand I saw. You've got to promise you're going to read it. All right. So I'll stick around a little bit if you guys want to chat about Africa. If you have any questions about missions, if you want to talk more about what we've been talking about, love to do that. Um, but thanks for, thanks for letting me come out tonight and hang out with you guys. This is a, a cool thing, and I know that there's good food coming as well. So I'll turn it back over to these, the team here. Okay, who, I mean, who got something that they're taking with them today? Like, seriously. Okay. Um, yeah, that was awesome. All right, there is something called pizza, and it's out there. And if I could have leaders, um, you know who you are, uh, if you're around the tables and stuff, if you can stand up and go grab them. We're going to bring all the pizza in here. Um, feel free to stay at your tables, discuss what we've been talking about. Um, again, Chris will be back here at the table. Um, but thank you guys for coming out and uh, eat, eat the food. All right.